You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. It's almost time for the best weekend all year. We're talking predictions, the horses, and more with Doug Payne. Will we see some of you in Kentucky this year? Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 109 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey. How are you doing, Jess? Not bad, not bad. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I have a lot of things to share with you guys throughout this episode, so I'm super excited. But it's been a really good last couple of weeks, so I'm I'm doing quite well. And you? Are you back home? I am back home, and everything's good. And so, well, I hear just, you're mobile, Jess. Right? Like both your legs yep. work. Yep, both <laughs> my legs work. I'm super Always excited. A <laughs> Always a plus. And I've got. Um, some other exciting news that I will share with you guys in here in a little bit, but I don't want to give too much away. But uh, Ellie, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. I am. Um, I'm. I'm getting there slowly but surely, chipping away. But uh, I'm not okay with the fact that it was 80 degrees yesterday and now it's snowing. Oh my goodness! Um, so it's not okay. Um, no. There's no mud. But um, I'm like crossing all my fingers and toes because I'm like, oh, my God, if this isn't colic weather, I don't know what is. (laughs) Right. Oh, that is the worst. So, Jess, I heard you brought a guest that has a drink for us this week. I did. I thought, you know, it's perfect for Kentucky. We're going in. Doug and I love some bourbon. And especially in Kentucky, we like stock up. So I thought, who better to do a drink this week than Doug? So welcome, honey. Hey, thanks for having me. And yeah, fitting for sure. Our favorite location for a show for our drinkings. <laughs> All right. So tell us, Doug, what is we're going? We're going just bourbon sour here. We're going pretty straightforward, but um, it's a, a tried and true. Got to love it. And like I said, Kentucky favorite. So are you going to tell us? How oh, to I didn't it? know we did. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yes, you can make it. All. <laughs> I figured everybody's just rolling with that. <laughs> no, you gotta tell us how to make a bourbon sour. Honey. Okay, we're doing a solid, a solid pour of bourbon, right? That they're saying two ounces here in this recipe that I'm reading, but more the better. And then we got some uh, probably equal parts lemon juice, half uh, whatever your quantity was, which could be quite a lot um, of simple syrup, ice, and uh, you could top it off with a, a cherry or orange peel if you like. How do you make it? You just throw it all together? Yeah, I mean, that's how it real roll, right? Throw you it together. Throw it, I usually like to bit. mix it. I usually put it in a shaker and mix it for you. That sounds complicated. So he's more on <laughs> Ellie's style. Okay. So throw it in a glass. You can do one spin with a spoon or something, and you're good to go. Okay. I, so that's all. I'm all about that. That's exactly how I like it. This is Ellie's <laughs> drink. So when I make it, I actually make my simple syrup and I do uh, sugar and Which water. Which is also sold in every. Yes, but a lot of times I just make it and then I shake it up in a big uh, shaker and then pour it into, I usually just use a low ball glass, but yes, the recipe is two ounces of good quality bourbon, two ounces of fresh squeezed lemon juice, one ounce of simple syrup, shake it all up. And yes, a cocktail cherry would be nice. So then what's your go-to bourbon? I mean, whiskey sour, I'm not going to lie. That's my go-to drink like anytime I'm out, but what is your, like, what is the new, what is your new favorite in Kentucky mm. right now? I love a corn heavy one, right? So if, if, uh, 
if you feel like you're rolling in it, get some plans, right? Um, <laughs> but if you're on a budget, which generally speaking we are, um, I'm going for some Rowan Creek. Ah, but in okay. the, yeah, in the Rowan Creek. And then I really like the Elijah Craig or something like that. So she she does or she does her toasted. Yes, she loves I her, really uh, like toasted bourbon as well right now. Mm-hmm. That's like my go-to. She right goes now. basil toasted. Or basil or uh, Elijah Craig toasted. The other one you cannot go wrong with is some Angel's Envy. Oh yes, I've had that. That's really good. But yeah, R- Rowan Creek. Good price, excellent taste. It's awesome. This episode is brought to you by Purina. And this week for news, we have the news brought to you by the Heels Down Spark. It's the only daily equestrian newsletter. It's free. Make sure you guys subscribe by going to bit.ly forward slash spark by HD. So this week, I decided that I was going to talk about that we had an exciting time watching the Omaha World Cup finals. It was amazing. It was in Omaha. And King Edward, I don't know if you guys watched it, but we sat up watching it. I I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. It finally finished. It was so much fun. King Edward did win with Henrik von Eckerman. Harry Schmolders was second. And I was so, so excited because Hunter Holloway was third for the U.S. So it was so exciting to see her. Uh, she has this little gray mare. They were on fire. It was so much fun to watch that it was in the States. The Americans actually had quite good placings. It was also exciting to watch the U.S. riders, Devin Ryan rode Eddie Blue, Nick Delajoyo had his young horse, McLean brought class, and Aaron Vale brought Prescott. So it was incredible. All the U.S. riders rode really well. It was fun to watch them in Omaha, and it was just they all, those U.S. riders went on to some of the final rounds and had some really good placings. So it was fun to see it, and I would love to see it in person, but we did stay up watching it and really excited for everybody. Yeah, I heard it was a great, great show to watch. It was so fun. I didn't get to, but I loved watching the the YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we watched it live. And I will say, so we watched the final first round. I watched the whole thing. And then they did the drag. And I stayed awake and watched part of it. And I fell asleep for like three of the four horses. And I was like so annoyed. But I did wake up to watch Hunter Holloway. And everybody, and then I watched King Edward win. So it was, it was super exciting. Doug, Doug did fall asleep. So he had to watch the I made it through the first round. It was late though. That was the hard thing. So we were so old at this point. Yeah, it was probably 10 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's why I wasn't watching it. <laughs> yeah. So Ellie, bedtime. what do you have for us? Well, so I actually have nutritionist advice on um, giving treats with low, lower NSC values, which I think is really interesting. And in the big scheme of things, you know, like giving, I mean, I grew up, Christ, giving sugar cubes to horses, right? And I mean, in the big scheme of things, like it's such a small portion of their diet that the small amount of sugar, if you're treating them isn't a super big deal, but with horses that, you know, have a history of laminitis or are actively laminitic or becoming uh, insulin dysregulated, which is kind of like where their insulin and their pancreas like forgets to do what it's supposed to do. And it creates abnormally high levels of insulin and sometimes the glucose even to circulate in their bloodstream, which just puts them at risk for obesity and laminitis and things like that. So this person had asked about like a safer treating option. 
And what the equine nutritionist said was actually to look for non-structural carbohydrate levels, which are safer choices. So abbreviated as NSC values, um, they say less than 12% is great for those horses that you know, are at a higher risk for laminitis or are actually uh, laminitic currently, because then you still get the joy of, you know, your horse is looking at you so lovingly when you're treating them, but then it's a little safer to be giving them uh, lots of treats. Big shout out to everybody who donates to us on Patreon. We really appreciate you guys and you guys have a lot of exclusive content. And if you are interested in checking out the exclusive content or you want to help us continue to make this podcast, uh, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash heels down. And that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash heels down. So, Doug, since you're here, let's talk about Ride IQ. So I'll be honest. I have not tried it yet, but I've heard really great what things about it. What are you waiting it. for? I know, I know. Well, it's partially just like I haven't been riding. <laughs> um, so now that I'm getting back at it, like I'm really, I'm trying to get back into, like, I mean, I want to know more about Ride Well, IQ. definitely you should go over to Ride IQ, do ride at ride-iq.com forward slash Doug, because of course that would help me out as well but you can get a free trial there and they have got an incredible database of top trainers and both in eventing dressage and jumping and basically you have audio lessons so same idea that you might have as a peloton workout or any of these other um, workout subscription services but you can then pick out problems too so if your horse has a particular issue with a called a leg yield or a, i don't know a turn to a jump or uh, any th- any sort of oddball thing you can then search their database find a lesson and then listen to that lesson as you're riding and it's a great way to get access to top trainers top ideas and you know something that you could do on your day-to-day that is um, in the end super inexpensive on a monthly basis so give me a little bit of an example with that so say we'll stay with the leg yield idea right yeah so if i'm riding Right. Is this something where like it's kind of broken down or is this something yeah, where so basically I OK, let's take that leg yield idea. So I would in I'm an instructor with Radicky. Right. So what I would do is I then pick up my microphone, wind blocker, the whole deal. Right. And I would then ride a horse that has a, an issue with a leg yield and I would go step by step with each exercise that I'm going to do with that horse to try to improve that leg yield, then you're going to end up riding along with me during that same um, period of time. So basically it's a guided ride and I would have a bit of insight because I'm riding a horse with a very similar problem at that point. Oh, okay. Okay. I really, I want to try it. And have you tried it yet, Jess? I have. I really like it. And I've liked like segments where, you know, it's something that I can listen to and kind of do something where it's been different instructors. Like I really do like it because it's like a lesson without having to have a lesson and I don't have to ship out and I can kind of tackle a specific problem and kind of Google that and be like, Oh, what's a fun exercise or, you know, like you said, the leg yields or something. So, you know, they have tons of different too. I think that the huge advantage is it brings access to top trainers, to everyone, regardless where you're located and what situation you're in, because often 
you know, the call it a winter. I mean, a winter is probably the biggest example, but you know, maybe you live in, uh, I went to college in upstate New York, right? So you're in Western New York in the middle of winter and everybody's gone south for that winter period, but you then would have access to everybody that's in Wellington or Ocala or wherever it might be. And, um, you could, you could constantly have, um, you know, premium input onto what you're going to do. So you're not going to be missing out. Yeah, that's huge. Just as someone who lives on a mountain in, uh, in a <laughs> rural area, right? It's for sure great. So has there been like a favorite topic that you've covered with Ride IQ? It's pretty diverse. Um, you know, we're really across the board. We've got, you know, a number of the ones we've done. We did a little chronicle series with a, a baby we call Gronk here. He's actually the brother of quintessence who have jumped through a four-star um, CSI and um, Gronk's actually got the same mother. And so we did a whole series on the starting process from basically day one up until now. He just did his first show this past week. So it becomes then super relatable because he's just a wicked green baby that hardly knows anything. And, you know, just a step-by-step progression on how we aim to develop them into uh, hopefully a top competitor in the future. That's awesome. I'm I'm definitely going to I'm going to check it out for sure. Got to get myself back in shape. I'll do that with Ride IQ. (laughs) The PH equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science and their love for horses keep them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to scientific method. But if you can't capture the feeling of seeing the horse reach its their full potential, it takes science and the love to help your horses live their best life. Put the research to the test at horseinnovation.com. I'm excited to welcome the next guest that Justine had the privilege of interviewing. It's Dr. Anna Pesta Dunaway. She is an equine nutritionist for Purina. She lives in Aiken and I'm excited that they get to talk about how to kind of feed some of the five-star horses. She's come to our farm and personally looked at a bunch of our horses and she's amazing. She's easy to talk to. And so I'm excited that she gets to inform you guys all the stuff she tells us about. So, hey everybody, it's Justine from Heels Down Happy Hour. And I'm very excited to have our next guest on the show today. It's Dr. Anna Pesta Dunaway from Purina, who we've had on the show before. So welcome back. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Always excited to talk about horse nutrition. Yes. And uh, I know that it's it's the perfect time of year, right? In April, we're all excited for the Kentucky three-day event, which is coming up in so soon. And this time of year, for me personally, as someone who events at the lower levels, but also dabbles in other disciplines, I just, I find it so amazing watching the five-star athletes and just how they keep their horses in such fit and tip-top condition, you know, really Mm -hmm. to peak at this event. And I know there's a lot that goes into nutrition uh, to keep horses at performing their best, right? So I'm hoping we can, we can kind of dive a little bit deeper into that today. Yeah, for sure. I think um, some of it is definitely specific to the super upper level horses, but a lot of it you can apply to your horse run around training for sure. So to start, I feel like this is something we hear a lot about, especially when it comes to supplements and various products you can buy to feed your horse. 
just sort of these like superpower ingredients, whether it's amino acids or omega-3s, there are all these interesting ingredients in, in feed and supplements that support or help with this or that. Is it important mm-hmm. to pay attention to those ingredients or is that really not the thing we should be focusing on? Well, I guess the nutritionist uh, nerd in me has to say that there's a difference between nutrients and ingredients. So all of those good things like lysine and different amino acids or omega-3s, those are all important nutrients. And you can supply those in the diet through various ingredients, which would be things like soybean meal or flaxseed, etc., But getting fixated on scanning for certain ingredients on the tag doesn't always send you down the right path. So just right off the bat, look for certain nutrients, but maybe not get fixated on, I have to have something with flaxseed in it, for example. More so, it's important to look for, I want something with a certain amount of omega-3s in it. So there's that. But yeah, those... There's definitely certain nutrients that do bring something to the table for, you know, as horses work harder and harder, it's time to look a little deeper than just your basic, okay, protein, calcium, phosphorus, you know, those other nutrients that have bring more to the table become more important, the harder the horse works. So just mentioning two of those amino acids and omega-3s. I think do both have an important place for hardworking horses for muscle recovery and anti-inflammatory power specifically those two. Interesting. Okay. So something else I've seen a lot lately from a variety of horse folks is are people who really want to focus on a quote unquote forage only diet. I feel like that's mm-hmm. growing in popularity, but I'm not sure I totally understand what that means, right? I feed my horse hay, that's forage. I feed my horse maybe soaked cubes, uh, which obviously come from grasses that we would consider forage. But what Mm -hmm. should horse owners really know about a forage-only diet versus feeding maybe a complete feed that you can buy at the feed store? Yeah, uh, uh, we're really good at latching onto something that's basic and turning it into a trend only diet is definitely having a moment right now. There are Facebook groups uh, devoted to it. And I would say that all of our horses, no matter how hard they work and how much grain they eat, are on forage-based diets. And I always want, you know, all the performance horses I work on to be getting as much as they can from their forage component of their diet. And some horses, especially if they're slightly easier keeping or aren't working as hard, you can pretty much get there on mostly forage ingredients. You're still going to have to supply a good quality vitamin mineral supplement. And then depending on if they have coat issues, you might need to bring in some oils. But if they're not working that hard and if they're kind of easy keeping, you can pretty much get there on these heavy, heavy forage diets. But what a lot of people are doing, and this is a worthy goal because, yes, you want the bulk of their diet to be really high-quality forage. But what some people find themselves doing is just reverse engineering feed. So you've got as much hay as you can stuff into them and as much good-quality hay as they'll eat in a day. And then you're adding on top, maybe you're mixing up 
soaked alfalfa cubes or soaked hay pellets and some beet pulp and a vitamin mineral supplement and some oil, maybe some rice bran. And you're just piecing together things that we have in feeds already, but without some of the important things like amino acids, like we were just talking about as horses work harder, they need a better and better stack of amino acids to take advantage of your good top line building work and to repair their muscles nicely after exercise. And that's the part I see a hole in most often uh, with the solely forage-based diets is good quality amino acid fortification. And you can definitely supplement that in. And if your horse isn't super hard keeping, you could put a nice diet together that way. But especially if we're talking like five-star horses at a certain or real hard keeping thoroughbreds at a certain point, you just can't get them to eat enough calories from forage or, you know, you can't add enough calories through a fat supplement to get them in good body condition and to fuel the type of work they need. So sometimes that's where we're going to eventually have to move to uh, a quote unquote feed feed of a bag feed because the calorie and nutrient density is just so much higher there. So I have nothing against the forage based diet. And I mean, my personal two horses live out 24 seven and eat as much grass and good hay as they can. But especially when you talk in upper level horses, when you need that different kind of oomph and fuel, um, hay alone can't get you all the way there sometimes. I see. That makes sense. That was to me. a long-winded answer for you there. Sorry. <laughs> there was a lot to unpack there though. Um, I thought that was yes, really interesting. There is. Um, yeah. I think I don't want to come off as anti-forage based diet from the big bad feed company nutritionist because I'm certainly not. It's just some horses you're going to have to um, get some more density in there through a feed. Absolutely. For example, I, you know, I own two off track thoroughbreds and neither one of them would get the calories they need. I think from a forage based diet, I would, I, and I live in Florida where the grass isn't Mm -hmm. so, um, isn't quite as nutritious as, you know, other climates, especially Mm -hmm. depending on the certain times of year. So I understand that, but, um, but I think it's a great goal to have and and something to always be thinking about when you're trying to balance your horse's nutrition, right? Yeah. Yeah. So thinking, you know, kind of feeding off of that, the next thing is supplements. Um, you know, I've fallen victim to this myself. Uh, I look in our feed room and, you know, out of the 12 horses at the farm where I keep mine at, there are a bajillion supplements in the Mm -hmm. feed room for all the different horses. I just, you know, and I think we've touched on this in previous conversations, but how do you know which supplements are actually worth feeding? And especially when it comes to performance, you know, if you're feeding Mm -hmm. a horse a a balanced and complete diet, do you actually need supplements or are there some, some products that are worth the the money that gives them the extra oomph for fitness? Mm -hmm. Oh man, how much time do you have to talk supplements? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So there are definitely, I tell people it's all about that horse's individual needs. There are definitely some horses who have maybe just inherently poor hoof quality and they definitely could benefit from a targeted hoof supplement. Does everybody in the barn need a hoof supplement? No. 
Um, there are certain specific needs that are really best addressed through a supplement. Like if I want to boost someone's vitamin E status, I'm going to do a, the best job of that through a targeted vitamin E supplement or a, a hoof supplement or, you know, things that also make sense are, you know, gastric ulcer prevention type things. So um, if you have a horse that's prone to gastric ulcers or leads a stressful lifestyle, definitely. I think something that's got some research behind it to prevent gastric discomfort totally makes sense. Um, amino acids for hardworking horses, they could use a boost above and beyond the base amino acid amount that's in their performance feed for extra help recovering from hard workouts. So I think amino acid supplements make sense for coat and skin purposes. Some omega-3s definitely make sense. But then there's a bunch of stuff that relies heavily on placebo <laughs> effect and probably doesn't make a ton of sense. And in those cases, if somebody comes to me or I'm in their feed room and they're like, okay, look at all these supplements I'm feeding. Which ones should I keep? Which ones should I ditch? I ask them like, okay, approach this critically. Do you feel like you can definitely tell a difference in your horse if you feed the supplement? And do you think you would notice if you took it away? And if someone heartily believes that they feel a difference and they don't mind spending however much that supplement costs, great. If I look at the label and I don't feel like you're doubling up on too much and if it's not hurting anything, go crazy. Even if it maybe doesn't have published data behind it, if you feel like it works, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you, you must stop feeding it, but to be a skeptical consumer is a good thing when you're shopping for supplements. And we our our group at Purina, um, we came up with a little mnemonic device called the test ride. So it's like, take your supplement through the test ride. It's like R I D E for research ingredients, dose and efficacy. So kind of just dig into whether it has any research behind it in horses. Do the ingredients make sense for what you're trying to accomplish? For example, if it's a gastric ulcer prevention type supplement, do the ingredients have anything to do with counteracting acid? If they do, okay, at least it passes that. If they don't, or if it doesn't make much sense, maybe, you know, move on down the road. And then, you know, horses are large animals. So is the dose high enough to do anything? Or are we throwing a tiny baby little supplement scoop of fat onto a 1,300-pound horse and hoping it's going to put a body condition score on them? You know, probably not. And then the E is just for efficacy. I tell people maybe something like a joint supplement, which I don't often recommend. I think uh, most nutritionists and vets at this point are have more faith in something like an Adequan or a legend getting you more bang for your buck in terms of real benefit to the horse. But if you want to try a joint supplement, have your vet out, flex them, jog them, do a little lameness eval, and then feed it for 90 days and have them back out to reevaluate. And if they did get better, great. You should keep feeding that supplement, but approach it scientifically. That makes sense so. to me. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's an interesting question that I, you know, I, when I think of 
the five-star horses that are going to run at Kentucky, I always wonder, you know, and I know everyone's program is different, but how many Mm -hmm. meals a day should a horse be getting ideally in an ideal world, especially considering those horses that are fit enough to run, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. Kentucky? As many as it takes. (laughs) (laughs) I find that my biggest struggle with some of those really hardworking horses, especially in that time ramping up when you're doing more fitness work and and they're getting sharp their appetites also tend to suffer during that time some of them get extra picky and they got other things on their minds they're thinking about jumping not eating and sometimes that's when we have to get a little creative and it depends on their metabolism i know you know horses at the top level that are really hard keepers and some that are surprisingly easy keeping so it's it just all depends on the individual. I think um, most of them are probably three meal a day types. Some I've known some horses that just have no interest in their breakfast because they know they're about to go do their morning work and they're not going to even bother with anything until lunch. And okay, if that's, if that's when they want to eat, then maybe we'll do lunch, uh, afternoon, and a late night meal or... You know, maybe some of them have a little threshold. They're like, I am only going to eat a scoop at a time and absolutely not a mouthful more. So we're going to have to offer you a scoop four times a day to get your calories in you. But if you've got one at that level, then you're pretty much willing to do whatever it takes. So it all depends on their calorie needs. And so much of it is driven off of their breed type and body style and individual metabolism. I see. Okay. Interesting. So speaking of some of those ingredients that we mentioned earlier, like the uh, the nutrients and, and thinking of amino acids or omega-3s, what would you say are the most important when it comes to recovery, say after hard work? Yeah, I think honestly, one of the fun things about the nutrition for your horse, once you start feeling like, okay, I'm officially in the upper levels or I'm officially working hard enough where getting more dialed in on this is really important is that you get to start customizing things more and caring, paying more attention to recovery. And I kind of, I have a list of things that I think are important for recovery, Uh, obviously water. So rehydrating. So if they're good drinkers, great, but if not, you're going to have to be more hands-on with that. And you might have to, um, you know, be feeding them wet or feeding them mashes or making soups, things like that. But obviously, hydration, putting back what they sweat out, and along with that is electrolytes. So once they're working pretty hard and sweating pretty heavily every day, I'm going to switch to a good quality electrolyte. Plain salt isn't going to cut it anymore. So making sure you're putting back electrolytes that they lose. And then I think about, okay, once you're cooled out, I've got you, you know, ready to go back to your stall for a little post-workout snack. I want something that's going to maybe settle their stomachs, maybe, maybe a dose of whatever gastric ulcer prevention options you have in your program, maybe something like that to tamp down that acid because they, you know, this is their first meal for a few hours, uh, something to settle their stomachs. and. This is a good time for amino acids. If you're going to take advantage of the best time to 
utilize amino acids for muscle recovery and repair. It's within the first hour after work. So my post-workout snack is going to involve an amino acid supplement. Think of it like drinking your BCAAs after the gym. It really does work like that. And then a little bit of energy, a little bit of go ahead and let's start refilling what they've lost. I'm counting on their every day, day in, day out meal plan to be the thing that keeps their muscle glycogen up where it needs to be. So it's not necessarily that I'm trying to replace everything in the you know a first meal after a workout, but um, getting a little energy into them to start that process is good. So maybe it's just a, a smaller version of whatever their normal meals are. So sometimes recovery, you know, the special recovery meal is just their lunch every day. If they work every morning, lunch is when they, you know, get their extra dose of amino acids and electrolytes and that's their recovery meal. Gotcha. No, I love um actually the Purina Replenimash product for that, for like a recovery meal. My horses love it. That's what I've been using. It's it's really convenient as a little cool you out, put you back in your stall post-workout shake because you can make it super sloppy and get a decent amount of water into them mm-hmm. and you're getting a dose of electrolytes and outlast. And then I just soup it up by putting a dose of super sport, the amino acid supplement in it, and you've got voila, post-workout protein shake. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So what about if you, you know, we talked a little bit about those five-star horses that might be finicky, like you mentioned, the ones that maybe they don't eat in the morning, then they wait for lunch because they know they're going to go, go work out. Uh, Do you have any tips on feeding horses who are picky eaters, but are Mm. very athletic, um, or even feeding horses who are ultra fit when you know, you're going to travel far, like even the horses that are coming to Kentucky from overseas, right? There's, that's a lot of stress to put on these horses that need to be fit and feeling Mm -hmm. good before a big event. Yeah. My advice to people would be to be flexible and prepared. So if, you know, if you find that they're not feeling their normal hay as much anymore, you know, if it's your five-star horse, you're definitely willing to go out and buy them bags of chaff hay or Denji or whatever forage they want to eat. So I would say if they, if they get picky, don't be afraid to experiment with some other things. It's just as they start working harder, they get stressed, their appetites can suffer. And maybe it's okay that their diet in the couple months leading up to a lot of your fitness work isn't the same as their diet the rest of the year. And that's fine. Um, So trying different forages, I think can be the ticket sometimes. And especially important if they're on a hunger strike from their grain meals you at least need to make sure we're keeping enough really good quality forage into them if we're talking like a short-term travel situation. Also playing with their preferences in terms of wet versus dry. I have known a lot of horses that everybody, you know, people want to feed sloppy soup all the time because you're getting water into them. And that's great until the horses get tired of eating the big pile of mush. And um, sometimes just backing off of the texture, like how wet versus how dry play with that. Some horses get tired eating soup and then playing with the type of feed. 
not everybody can be fueled on fat and fiber alone, no matter how much we think that might be the best idea sometimes. And there are horses that go better on different fuel mixes. There's a reason we have, you know, a bunch of different performance feeds and some are heavier on fat and fiber. Some are heavier with a little bit more carbohydrate readily available fuel and some are somewhere in between some blend of the two and especially as they start working harder and harder you get more dialed in to the feel you get out of them when they're on different fuels and you can adjust accordingly so not every five-star horse that i work with is on ultium some of them go better on omeline and those textured feeds have the benefit of being very palatable. Horses love oats and oats are a good source of energy and digestible fiber. And in our modern times, people have gotten kind of spooked off of what they used to call sweet feeds. I say these are modern textured feeds, not your grandpa's sweet feed, but they bring a lot of good things to the table, especially on a picky horse. Interesting. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. Yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot in this conversation. <laughs> unless a lot of territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think just you have permission to change things and adjust as you move up the levels and throughout the year. So don't feel like you're locked into, oh, I have a hardworking performance horse. So, of course, they're supposed to eat the high fat, you know, performance feed. Like I said, I I consult on a lot of five-star horses and they're all on completely different diets. So um, if, even if something's worked for you for a long time, it might, you know, if you run into a, you know, a challenge, might be time to reevaluate things. I've, I've got upper-level dressage horses that I've switched from Ultium to Race horse feed literally just wow. because it was time time for a different fuel source so um be flexible and you can always reach out to us if you need some assistance working through that so doug and jess what are you guys doing for your kentucky prep which horses are going give me the scoop well we've got three that are getting on the bus so quantum leap is headed to his fifth five star now and so that's pretty exciting. He was third last year and he was the, the USCF national champion. So we're hoping that with a little bit of luck, we could try and contend and see if we can up that even a touch more. We have Camarillo, who's known as Carl around the barn. He is doing the four short and that'll be his second time to Kentucky for the same. He's a nine-year-old, so he's just about getting there. Um, I would think by next year, he ends up stepping up to the five-star and then we also have a new, well, newish to us. He's been with us for a year or so, a horse called Chocolate that's going to be jumping in the um, Split Rock three-star invitational show jumping. That's exciting. So what are you doing this week to lead up and prepare them? I know I've seen Carl doing some stuff on your Facebook. and Yeah, so they just cantered today, um, and they would probably end up doing – so what are we looking at? We're on Tuesday now. They'll, they'll canter again probably on Sunday or so because they'll actually ship out on Monday. And I will – I got to say, I did a little bit of stalking on the course preview, so I'm going to be out on the tractor tomorrow moving some jumps around to see if we can't replicate as best we can what they might see um, when we get to the park. 
And so, yeah, really, it's just the final things. You're not going to teach them anything really drastically new at this stage in the game. And so you're just trying to get them in the state where they're as most, you know, sort of most confident as they possibly could be. So hopefully put them in the best space to um, put out their top performance. And do you guys do anything special in prepping for Kentucky specifically? Any, is it any different than any other events for you guys for prep wise? Um, I walk longer. Yeah. I mean, they, they, we do a lot of, as far as fitness, we do a lot of walking. So um, as you guys are probably well aware, Jess broke her leg two months ago or two and a half months ago. And so she was first on quantum what, yesterday, two days ago yesterday. Yeah. And so oh, you're back we, at it. I'm well, back at it. Back walking. Back, <laughs> back walking. So, so I just, literally, I walked him for an hour the first time I got on him. And so I literally, Doug was like, he needs to go for an hour plus walk. I was like, okay, guess I'm up for an hour plus walk. And he's like, well, at least you got a five star horse for your first trail ride back. So, so when you walk them, do you guys do like hill work and stuff or yes. is it just me? Okay. Yeah. We're lucky enough. Our property, we've, we've got a pretty good hill and we did a perimeter track on the whole place. So it's about a mile and an eighth if you did the loop and there's an elevation change. It's about 160 foot, I guess, from the bottom of the top. And so, um, yeah, they would do a fair bit of walking. We, they were probably walking anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour additional to whatever they would do every day. And that's, um, we found that's a, probably one of the best ways as far as fitness wise, it doesn't expose them to a ton of pounding and, um, you know, for soundness wise, it's, it's, it's been exceptionally good. You know, it's just little things. You're just tweaking stuff at this point and you try to keep it as normal as possible for them. Because I think in the end, when they're most comfortable is what is a custom, you know, sort of customary to them. So we try not to change all that much, but even though it's sort of the, the biggest of the big here in the spring season in the U S absolutely. Well, so speaking of the biggest of the big, what do you think of the entry list this year? Who do you think is your biggest competition? Well, I just read this, um, the post by Equi Ratings, and they said it's the strongest field that's been in, I don't know, quite a long time. And I think like the fifth. Yeah, and like the fifth strongest field in a five-star in the world in the last however many years. So um, certainly it's a solid group. Um, you know, Quantum is, this, like I said, it'll be his fifth five-star. And... He's been top 10 in three of the four. And so I'd love to be able to replicate that. And if we can pull a rabbit out of the hat and, and he stays pretty quiet on the first day, I think we've got a good shot to, um, you know, give it a shot, really. You, you never know exactly, but um, he's 12 now. So he's kind of just getting there where he's um, becoming quite consistent and comfortable with everything. And um, it's uh, it's just a privilege to have the opportunity to have a horse like this. that You can go back um, time after time. Do you have any predictions for this year? Which phase do you think will be most influential? Well, knowing that I can't get a low 20 right now, I think we will in the future. <laughs> but I would, I'm would i really pushing for some rain and for a tough course on cross country. So that plays a huge role because that is where the jumping phases in particular, quantum is particularly good at. So um, the harder the better in that regard. I'm also excited that Split Rock is putting on the jumping for the CSI three-star. They have an invitational and it's super fun. So I'm excited to see kind of what that competition is because unlike the eventing who we see an order of draw and everything else, we actually have no idea who's coming for the jumping phases, like for the proper show jumping. We don't know who's going to come. So it's going to be interesting. It's up to 40 people 
and horse and riders, you can only bring one rider and horse combination. Like you can't have multiple horses. So it's going to be interesting to see who shows up for that. Cause there's a welcome speed class on Friday night. And then the big Grand Prix is Saturday night after cross country. So I'm super excited to see like who's showing up for that too, and kind of see what that competition is. Sounds like a good competition to watch with some bourbon oh, in your hand. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I'll be saving the bourbon for a little after, but yeah. Hopefully we'll he has go. not <laughs> Listen, that's the best part about like all the like small local shows I do is that you can have a beer while you're warming up. It's just oh, very <laughs> I love that. It's all flat stuff. No, I think it's a wild experience, though, because we jumped last year um, with a horse called Quintessence, and I will tell you what, the crowd support there was unbelievable. I mean, that place is completely sold out. It was uh, a really cool atmosphere, and, um, you know, for a lot of the jumping guys, you know, just in talking, they were so, you know, I kept hearing over and over in the warm-up how incredible it was to have this place completely sold out, and it's, um, it's such an exciting competition, so... It's, uh, like I say, a privilege to have the opportunity to jump in there as well. Well, we're looking forward to watching you guys, and uh, I hope your your prep and your walk-in goes well, Jess. Oh, no. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, I keep uh, keep Quanta moving and keeping them fit so that we can uh, go fast on Saturday. Yeah, we'll be rooting for you. Thanks. So it's time for Rose and Thorn. Do you want to go first, Jess? Yeah, I'll go first because I'm pretty sure most people can guess. But my rose <laughs> is that one I got to ride this week and I am walking. And so news to what Justine was talking about earlier, and I didn't want to spoil it. So l- last Tuesday, like so a week and a half ago, I got permission to be able to finally, that was eight weeks after my surgery, I got permission to finally get weight bearing. And the first day was, oh, it was so weird. And my PT, I did have PT and I love my PT person. She's amazing, Shannon. So shout out to Shannon at Duke because she's amazing at pushing me. And so she's like, okay, you have to wait on it. And I was kind of putting weight on it. Well, then she's like, you really have to like start picking it up. And it felt like I had the best, somebody finally like a couple, you know, times of being ass how it feels. It felt like my foot's numb. Like it fell asleep and then somebody punched me in the, or like got, I hit something with my quad. So my quad kind of like didn't really work and my foot fell asleep. So it was very an awkward feeling, but hmm. I forced myself like to keep moving and walking and I catch myself like using the crutches and not even putting weight on my foot because it, I got so used to it for eight weeks. So then I forced myself to like make myself like walk on it, walk on it. And so it took me a couple of days, but I'm actually not using crutches now. And so I've been so excited because my doctor said, as soon as I don't need the crutches and that I'm weight bearing and the PT was like, as long as you can like start walking upstairs, that's when you should get on a horse. So I did walk quantum and I was able to walk up the mounting block by myself and I had people holding them and making sure that I got on correctly and everything, but. So you used um, a mounting block, not the back of a golf cart this time. <laughs> no. I actually think I should have used, I honestly, not that I was going to do it. Don't worry, everybody. But the back seat of the golf cart would have been higher than the mounting block. And I would have had an easier time getting on because right? <laughs> quantum's not little. And I have a three-step mounting block. Like it's not little either, but I still had to like reach up. And that was the harder part. So then I was like, what's higher. So then I had to have somebody like kind of boost me up 
the first couple times just because it's hard to like lift your leg up and then put weight on it when you don't know how to put weight on it. So it was, it was definitely, it was totally safe and everything, but honestly, the backseat of the golf cart was probably a better choice, but I didn't do it. Don't worry, everybody. But I did make a sick joke. Somebody asked me at the horse show at Stableview a couple weeks, like a week or two ago. They said, can I use the back of your golf cart to get on? I said, yeah, just be careful. Don't jump down like I did. I broke my leg. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you jump down on flat ground. <laughs> I was like, literally, I was like, not friends with the person that did it. So it was like, probably like kind of a sick joke. And they kind of looked at me like, why would you say that? And I was like, afterwards, I was like, oh, that, okay, I'm just going to keep walking away from that. But yeah, it was, I did definitely say that to somebody at Stableview. Oh my gosh, Jess. It was really bad, actually. <laughs> but I did, I used a mounting block and got on. And so that is my rose is that all this has happened in the last week and a half. But my thorn is, it should be that conversation, but it's actually not, is I was wondering what I was going to be sore. You know, you're going to be sore from something. And I got on the next day to do my 45 minute walk again. I haven't sat in the saddle for like an hour and a long time. And so my bottom hurts like, my, <laughs> like nothing else hurt, but like my seat. And I was like, Oh, and you can't like really like push up and like move. You're just kind of there. And so I was like, this is super uncomfortable. And Doug's like, well, good luck on your next 45 minute ride. And I'm like, right. Like I have another 45 minutes of this. So that is my thorn is that my rear end hurts while riding. <laughs> you need one of those like padded I, that's what butt I pads. I wanted that like <laughs> the sheep cushion one. Like, oh yeah. Skin, that's what I wanted. <laughs> But I decided to suck it up and not ask for that because I thought I'd get made fun of. <laughs> so instead, I was fine. But Ellie, what's your rose and thorn? Oh, boy. So my thorn is easy because it's always something with the animals that live in my zoo. My One of my house cats, my diabetic one, she might have Cushing's. I didn't even know that apparently it's super rare for cats to get Cushing's. I've only ever heard of it with horses, but apparently dogs can get it too. But like she just has like her skin all of a sudden is like paper thin. So she literally just all of a sudden in the morning had this huge like hole on her side of just skin, like not super deep or anything. So I've had to be like wrapping her with like vet wrap around her belly and like putting a shirt on her and um, it's not easy to wrap a cat. Um, (laughs) I have wrapped many a horse leg and I regret every time I've ever said that they weren't standing still because wrapping a cat is a hundred times harder. (laughs) That would be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be my thorn is dealing with that. But my, my rose is that I'm super excited about, starting to horse show i'm debating going to a horse show next month in the beginning of may i'm not sure if i will because to be quite honest q looks really fat and i haven't ridden him since august of last year but he's such a good boy that if i ride him three times he can go do one flat class (laughs) he'll be fine He'll be fine. <laughs> so I'm debating it. He just looks a little pregnant right now. So I've I've cut his grain back and his hay because now that the grass is starting to come up, they're all just like ballooning. 
Um, I like that. So I'm like, oh, it's time to get the grazing muzzles. So if you guys have any good grazing muzzle recommendations, tag me in them in the Facebook group. Because <laughs> that <laughs> will be what I'm looking for. But what about you, Justine? So actually, Ellie, I do have a recommendation for you. Have you tried the Green Guard grazing okay, muscles? I, I haven't tried any, so I've never actually needed one before. But so tell okay. me about it. They're super fancy and they're just more heavy duty. I think that they like they stand up to like a horse that's trying to get it off. I think they're really cool. A friend of mine uses them. So you should check those out. Okay. All right. I will do that for sure. Okay. So back to Rose and Thorn. I guess my Rose is that as we tape this podcast, I'm looking at the beautiful red rocks of Sedona, guys. So jealous. I'm so jealous. I've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon. It is lovely. So Alex and I are here celebrating our sixth wedding anniversary. So yeah, yeah. So it's been a nice, fun change of pace being out here. And if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's gorgeous. And if you're into hiking, even better, definitely come out here. So that is my rose and my thorn. Gosh, I don't know if I have one that like can top your guys's. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because the two of you are like going through it right now. Your your Um, bottom doesn't hurt from hiking. Your cat doesn't have Cushing's? <laughs> <laughs> no, none of those things. But wait, I do remember. So the night before we left on this trip, it was just like crazy. I was trying to get everything settled with work so I could be away for a few days. And I, you know, like getting my dog set up with my parents. So then, of course, it's like the night before we leave where I have to go home and pack, yada, yada. And I get in a car accident. On wow. Yeah. So my poor truck looks terrible. I rear-ended somebody. And my luckily my parents, you know, they're watching my dog while we're gone. So my dad took it into like into the shop to get that process started. But you know, it's never fun. But when we I get home this weekend and I'm gonna immediately have to go buy hay. And I was supposed to go on a hundred pace with some friends, but I'm my truck, like it's just the front that looks bad and I'm I'm like weighing the pros and cons of like how redneck do I want to look hauling my smash truck so I could still go to the hunter pace when I get back. That's amazing. Um, um so I can we share personal experience with that because Matt okay, back ended okay. a sickle bar mower into my horse trailer and like it wasn't bad but I just put a sticker over it that said caution horses. <laughs> so I mean <laughs> you could do that. You know, for the first I'll text the you guys a picture. I'll text you a picture because it's only the bumper and it's pretty like locked on there solid. Like I, I had the police and the fire part- department, like they all came out because it was an accident on the highway, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's like you're totally fine to drive your truck home. So it's it seems like it's OK. And I guess worst case scenario, like I have to get a new bumper anyway. So if it falls off, like what the heck? Right? Yeah, it's going to fall off. Just get duct tape that matches the truck. That's all that matters. But what's crazy with like, just, I, I don't know if it's pandemic era or what, but with supply chain shortages, like I've called around to get the truck in for repairs and all, every repair shop. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a month. Like they took no, you it have to in, put in. Estimate. it's so nuts. It's crazy. So I'm going to like, one of my, I guess the truck's just going to sit here and look like this for a month. It's crazy. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Well, so I'm assuming you're okay then. Sorry, I feel like we oh, should yes. ask that. Oh, yeah, we should <laughs> no, no, no. It was very minor. It was very minor. But of course, like the most frustrating thing to happen when your like mind is in a million places, right? Because I'm like trying to go on vacation. And yeah. then I then I get in a car accident. <laughs> so You're like, I don't have time for this. 
So it could have been a thousand times worse. So yes, I'm lucky, but it's still a headache I have to go home and deal with. <laughs> but as of right now, you get to look out at the nice Arizona oh, desert. I'm so, ex- I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's so exciting for you. I know. But then I go home, go back to real life. I'm excited to watch everybody in Kentucky, especially after all the insight Doug shared today. But speaking of that, Ellie, you've got a good mailbag for us, right? Yes. So people have been asking, like, what are things not to miss out on at Land Rover, Kentucky? And I know, like, there's so much that we can do. So, Jess, do you guys, like, have any advice for our viewers? Yes. Yes. So there are so many things that, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But honestly, you have to hit up the trade fair. You have to hit up one of my favorites is actually going I try to go like whatever day you get there, go early, like first day possible is to the Kentucky merchandise shop. I was just like to like go around. Sometimes I don't buy things. Sometimes I buy a lot, but I love to go see what they have for like Kentucky that year. So sometimes like I've bought just a hat. Sometimes I've bought like cool. I bought really cool tumblers one year in the store and it had, it's like, you know, got the Kentucky emblem. And so it didn't say the year. One year, my mom bought really cool, had the winners of everybody throughout the years on glasses, like water glasses. So we've just found like, it's not always clothing in that store, but they usually have a huge, huge merchandise tent. And so I try to go early because if you wait till Saturday or Sunday, there's going to be nothing there. So I try to hit up that early as possible. I also love to go find out like, who's walking what courses, because you can go, and a lot of people don't know this, but you can go on the cross country, and a lot of people probably do do this, but you can go and walk the whole course outside of the rope. So you can't walk inside, but you can go outside. But a lot of times they also have really good course walk people that will then tell you how they would ride the course and everything. And sometimes it's a ton of people, but it's always fun to have like a professional's point of view and stuff. And just pay attention. Like, I don't know, um, the best way to do this, like probably is through social media, but find out there's a lot of signings and stuff. So you can like meet some of your favorite riders. A lot of times they'll do something different. There's tons of giveaways. They'll do something different where like the riders will go on a course walk or you can meet and greet them, or you can, there's been several different things. Like one year, we did it where Van Diver came out of the barns and there was a very private showing of like meet and greet with him. And yeah, so that, that was, was with fun. us. That was, yeah. That so, was but through Heels like, Down. That was a yes. fun one. So, but Heels Down did it, but it's, so it's always different companies, but that was something different. And so I'd say like kind of search it and see like, what are all these different companies doing? Like, cause it was so fun. It was totally different when you know, we all went up there and saw Van Diver and got to talk to Doug and Courtney and all of us like behind the scenes. And it was fun. I mean, what, Justine, there was like 10 people probably with us, 15? Yeah, I would say like about 15. Yeah, we took a group photo. I can find it. Um, yeah, but it but was I agree. something different Definitely. that you might miss. And so if you pay attention to, like we did it and it was super fun. And yeah, just different opportunities like that to that aren't really pertain to the competition that I really, really love to like kind of do. And then obviously I'm always love to walk around the tents and there's so many good deals and some of my favorite stuff. So I, I definitely hit up the shopping a lot. So, I mean, that's kind of a go-to, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. Things like that, that are just fun. And then another fun thing I used to do was go early to the head of the lake and get a seat there. 
So I'd do it early. And so I'd find like some of my favorite spots and watch on the cross country. And so I'd go really early and get a seat. So I'd be right at the head of the lake and watch and then try to walk around different parts of the course and watch, you know, different riders coming through. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jess. Like those are all my favorite things. I would say I agree with you that you want to shop early. And I know that's yes. hard to do because you like just get there. You don't want to blow all your money that you say that you brought for this trip. Right. But the vendors sell out, like especially Equal Gold, but they everybody, do. you know, like if you wait till stadium day, their their supplies are going to be so diminished. So if, the, if you're shopping or you have something in mind that you want to buy while you're in Kentucky, do it early because they do, do early. sell out. And then the cross-country course walks are so illuminating. Like I've been on a bunch now. They're so Kyle. fun. Yeah. Kyle Carter did one for us. I know Doug did one for us one year. I know Elisa Wallace is doing one for the Retired Racehorse Project this year. There's a million of them. I'm sure Ride IQ is going to have a sponsored course cross-country course walk. It's just so cool to stand in front of those massive fences with somebody who's ridden them before. Yeah. And then like, just kind of, they're so free with their knowledge, how they share, how they approach and prepare to ride the course. It's really fun to be able to do that. My my one tip I would add is definitely get a margarita at the stand in Rolex Stadium. It's one of my favorite margaritas <laughs> ever in the world. I've so never had a margarita there. I feel like you what? bring this up every year. You're it's like, my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm going to the Kentucky Horse Park. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm just so overwhelmed with bourbon that week that I forget about margaritas. Yeah. No, they make a mean margarita at the Kentucky Horse Park. Yeah. Huh. I mean, right now. I don't know if you remember, we shared one, Jess, with... with no, uh, I know, but I always forget Hannah that Sue. it's in the stadium. And so yeah. I, like, forget... That's what I'm saying. Like, I always, like, never go get one because I'm so overwhelmed with it that I forget till afterwards when we have this conversation. So I'm just right glad now. you're telling me the week before and not the week after of how great the margarita was. And I'm like, oh, well, I remember having a sip, but I have not actually gone and ordered one. Yeah, I don't know you why... You've got to add like, it to your breakfast. Exactly. I, I just remember we had it in the ice horse boot, like while yes. we were taping, taping in the, in the vendor floor one year. In the it vendor floor. Yes. But yeah. I never gone over and actually bought one because somebody brought us those and, or you must've run and gotten them or something. Somebody, but somebody got somebody us those, brought yeah. it for us. Yeah. Yeah. But then it got overwhelmed with the bourbon again. And so I forgot. And definitely if you've never been there to just be part of the tailgate on cross country day, like just wander around, you'll meet, you could just meet people like that. You've, you know, oh, yeah. just strangers. Everyone's so friendly for, for the Kentucky three day. Like people are partying all day, having a good time, hanging out with their friends. It's just like, it's just like a big party. Like everybody is friendly. You'll make friends no matter where you go. The other thing I have to add for shopping is we talked about going early. The other thing is if I have a little bit of extra money on Sunday, I go around because a lot of them are having sales because they don't want to take the stuff home. Oh, good point. That is a good so, point. So it's so like a double whammy want. to my bank account, but it is like. <laughs> really so you have to get good. what you want, get what you need first, and then yes. like and have then your splish for splurge. things you don't need. Yeah. Yes. It's the one strategy. that you're like, it's do I buy? Strategy. And then you're like, oh, it's 20% off. Gotta buy it now. Like, <laughs> totally how I go through life. But yeah, because there's there's a good chance it's going to rain this year. So I'm like, I've stocked up on lots of rain gear. And because I think it's it's going to be kind of hit or miss. Every day the weather changes. So I won't know until the Kentucky's last Kentucky is so hard. 
I'm it's just so glad hard I'm, because it snowed and I rained know. in the same year. That's and what I was going to say. I'm so glad I missed the year it snowed because <laughs> that is it was wild. So gross. I couldn't believe it snowed. But this year it's looking like 40s, 50s as a low, like high 40s, 50s as a low, and like mid 60s to 70s. And then the debate is how much rain. So I feel like I it's going to just be hopefully not in the 30s again. <laughs> I mean, they built a snowman <laughs> for the jog. It was so bad that year. So oh my gosh. I'm I'm hoping that it's we're going to have some peaks, but I did just go on a shopping spree and lot, buy lots of rain gear. So it should be good. That's how you know you won't need it because you bought everything. Cause I just spent all like I spent a ton of money at Catherine's buying like at Ride Equisafe because I was at try on and I was like, oh, it's gonna rain. And she had so many cute rain jackets. So I think I bought two rain jackets. Three, three yep. rain jackets. So now that's our prediction. It won't rain because so it just won't bought. rain now because yeah. I just bought all of them from Catherine's. But don't worry, I'm gonna pack them to make sure it doesn't rain. So if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. You could do that by going to uh, spark or bit.ly slash spark by HD. And if you aren't a subscriber already to our Patreon page, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash heels down. And you should join our Facebook group. It's free. It's fun. We have lots of really great conversations there all the time. That's the heels down happy hour Facebook lounge. All right, guys, we want to say thank you to our sponsor this week, Purina. And that's a wrap. Cheers! Cheers.